So Friday night was interesting. Didn't quite go as planned. Yeah, um, I hate traffic, man. Two accidents so, on the turnpike, accident on 95. I wanted to get there, what What did we say, 6 o'clock? And that certainly did not happen. Yeah, so for, for people listening, we had planned, we obviously talked a lot about burgers. Uh, it's, it's Kyle and Russ today. Adam had a wedding on a Sunday night. I don't know who gets married on a Sunday night. It's kind of a so, violation, isn't it? That is. That is. What's um, worse, real quick, what's worse to you, a Sunday night wedding or a Friday night wedding where you have to take I, the day off work? I got married on a Friday, asshole. Oh, did you do it for the percentage off at the venue? I actually believe it or not. Well, I mean, that's part of the reasoning. Uh. Um, but we, um, I always like a Friday night wedding because then you have the whole weekend. Like the Saturday wedding, then you wake up on a Sunday morning, you're like, ugh. You know, I, I always like the Friday night weekend because you have a little bit more fun and then you got the whole weekend to relax. So I figured I took off for enough people's weddings. I was going to do it. Uh, if we wanted to have it on a Friday, uh, we were going to do it on a Friday. The not, discount on a Sunday wedding must be huge. I'm not a so, big fan. No. Big. The Friday so. the Friday wedding when you you expect people to take the day off work. I don't like that. And then like if if you've taken a half day, then you're kind of stressed. You you're taking your work crap with you to the wedding. Not as enjoyable. I don't know. Yeah. We've got I one coming up next month th- that we've got to go to on a Friday and uh, I like the people. I'm just like, you know, Take a day off work. Not looking forward to that. I went to one last week that started at 5.30. Ours started at 3.30, and we did the selfish three hours between so we could get pictures and still enjoy our cocktail hour. Uh, Again, I figured I had done that at enough weddings that I was going to enjoy my own cocktail hour. So if people had to wait an extra hour, then so be it. I have done it for enough people that I know. Um Anyway, so, yeah. so Friday. Anyway, so Friday. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah. So Adam's not with us. So Friday, um, the plan was after talking about the burgers all day, you decided to buy Sixers tickets on StubHub. You got a good deal. Got a really good deal. It's like eighty-five bucks for lower level, twenty-ish rows up, uh, behind the basket. Really, really nice seats. So I said to you and Investor Jeff in the Slack. Investor Mike was going too, but he was going with his kids. They were doing that pregame thing where they get to watch the shoot around. So I said to you guys, I'm like, I'm buying you guys Charlie's on the way. I'm going with my dad. They live in Delco. I'm going to pick up my dad. I'm going to swing by Charlie's and I'll grab burgers. And then all of a sudden everyone starts chiming in. I'm like, well, Russ, your wife's going. You need you need something for her. And then Jeff's like, well, my buddy, I his partner, also a cardiologist. So I'm now on the hook to buy four cheeseburgers for two cardiologists, which I, I found enjoyable. So uh, I go into Charlie's. I leave my house at like 4.15 in Bucks County. Um, go to Pick my dad up, go to Charlie's, um, order 12 cheeseburgers, ketchup, mustard, pickle. Everyone put it on me to, to put the fixings as I saw fit. I get a bag, get them in the sandwich bag of 12 cheeseburgers. The goal was to be there, for all of us to be there at 6. Um, yeah, which made as, me drive like a lunatic through an accident yeah. zone on the turnpike, just saying to my wife, like, we've got to get these kids dropped off at your parents so I can go try these Charlie's burgers. And she was actually very grateful that you had uh, you'd bought them ahead of time. That was going to be nice. And then... So... So yeah, so long story short is a lot of traffic. Neither of us get there until after seven, and we wind up you and I parking 
uh, like feet away from each other at 7.15. At the exact same moment. I get out of the car and I, I'm like looking at this tall, lanky dude. And I'm like, that really, that really looks like Kyle. Did you notice so, my Under Armour pullover? That was a dead giveaway. Oh God, no. And so I'm like, I'm just staring at this guy and this guy is a dad. Now, if it had been your wife, I've seen your wife before. I would have like made the immediate connection. We just kind of stop and stare at each other like it's the end of the notebook or something. <laughs> and then you're like, Russ? Kyle? And then we just walked towards each other. Slow motion. It was beautiful. It was a really and, nice and we, moment. And we didn't break stride. We all just kept walking towards the door because we, we both wanted to get into the damn arena. Yep. Um, yeah. We missed, so, what, three minutes of the game? Not so bad. So we've only met like two or three times, I mean, in person. Uh, and... You shaved, so I, I first did. of all, it's, it's dark in the parking lot. You're wearing one of our trust the process tees, so I look over. I'm like, oh, that guy's wearing my shirt, which you know, at the very least, I'm going to say hello. But I'm like, wait, but I think it's Russ, but he shaved, and it's I hope it's Russ. So I drop like a Russ question mark, and if it wasn't you, I was going to feel like an asshole. Um, it was you. Yeah, it was uh, a so, really that was part of a really bad dare from my wife. To wear we, the shirt or to shave? No, 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 the shaving thing. Because she, she's told me for a while that, that she didn't believe that I would ever actually just go only mustache to work. And I think the only mustache look is really creepy. So mm-hmm. that morning we woke up and I had shaved my beard off the night before I had the mustache. We crossed paths in the morning before we recorded on Friday. And she's like, I don't think you should do it. Shave that off. So now I'm just baby smooth on the face. You are anyway. baby smooth. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah, glad, so we go. In, so we don't have the burgers. So meanwhile, I have my dad and I. We ate our. Everyone gets two. You have to get two at Charlie's. So we ate ours in the car. I have eight burgers in a bag. I brought a cooler. There, or, I didn't actually bring it. My dad brought one to give back to my wife, like just a family thing. So there was a little inflatable or collapsible cooler in the car. So I put the eight burgers in the cooler, and I say to you guys, I'm like, parking lot after the game, we're gonna do parking lot burgers. Trust me, they will keep. They're little burgers. They're packed. Yeah, they're not going to be hot, but they will be. They will still be tasty if they're kept in a cooler, as long as they're kept fresh. And that was legitimately like the 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 light through the darkness that night. As I'm watching the game unfold uh, and the Sixers are, are leading after pretty much every quarter, I'm so uh, sorry. I'm like so excited. And then the fourth quarter, which we'll get to, I'm sure. Fourth quarter, the whole thing unravels, and I look at my wife. I go, "This sucks." But at least we have the Charlie's Burgers oh. after the game. And uh, that was after we almost both didn't get our giveaway shirts because these two women from NBC10 Telemundo decided to walk into our row, sit down, take shirts, and leave. Oof. And it turns out that they were not their seats because then these three fine men uh, coming in after, including one. No bueno. One, no bueno. Yeah, I know. I was I was a little bit taken back, and they're looking around for the shirts. I'm like, uh, do I tell them? Uh, I did make a, a really good save though that night. There was this guy was probably in his mid to late sixties, and he fell asleep at like during the uh, speed painting halftime show. And I guess the two other guys he was with, who were definitely younger than him, they had gone up to to get food. Second half starts; those two guys aren't back, and the older gent had fallen asleep. So I gave him a couple little couple taps on the knee. And he kind of looked at me really confused, and I said, I don't want you to miss the second half because it had just tipped off. <laughs> so he's like, no, 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 it was, it, was, it was the right thing to do. Had uh, he gotten up and, like, punched me, that would have been one thing. But he was a grateful guy. I appreciate it. It was nice. Had really cool people sitting near us in, uh, I think it was Section 106. 
Shout out to them. They so, don't listen. So yeah, so, so to get, to finish the world's longest story ever. And speaking of people sitting next to, I ra- I bumped into a bunch of site readers slash podcast listeners, um, several, many of whom I saw a lot of our merch down there. Um, <laughs> there were a lot of trust the process tees, a lot of crossing broad apparel. So, uh, including including two people next to me, he had the hoodie on. So I said, "Hey, did you get that from Crossing Broad?" And turns out, him and his girlfriend had heard me say I was sitting in two hundred seven and got a good deal, and they bought tickets after hearing that. So that was kind of cool. Um, Stalking you. Another guy came up to me in the concourse. wasn't wearing a shirt, but um, as Adam shirtless. There was a shirtless guy at the Sixers game. It was a chest painter. Now, uh. Wasn't uh, as Adam said on Friday. Um, if you see us, say hi to Kyle's dad and not Kyle, and that's how we'll know. My dad, we were walking to the men's room at halftime. Uh, was probably about ten paces ahead of me, so he comes up to me. He's like, "Hey, hey, are you Kyle? Is that your dad?" I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "You know, it wasn't worth catching." Anyway, I forget his name. I'm terrible with names, but he's like, "Yeah, I really like the pod. Listen every day. Listen this morning." Um, and I was telling him, I was like, yeah, Russ is here. We, you know, we were late. We we're supposed to get the burgers. I don't think he cared. Um, but he was like, yeah, I really like the pod. I really like Russ, but I hate it when he talks about the union. <laughs> All right. Well, that's fair. So, so shout um, out to that the way, I was like, I do too. Congratulations. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if, hey, they won 6-1 and they, they finished with the exact same record as last year. That's terrible. what he hates. So, um, uh, you're, wait, so the, I want to point out the fact that when we first saw each other, uh, you went to shake my hand and I went to shake your dad's hand. I looked at you and I went, nah. And uh, your dad was really confused. Anyway, continue. Um, so anyway, so as the game is going on, if you've been listening for the last week, I'm obviously a little bit sick. I was degrading in how I was feeling out of nowhere. Um, I had wolfed the two burgers in the car. I got to the game and had a Captain and Coke right on top of them. Not a good And idea. I had like a burning sensation in my stomach. Um it wasn't the burger because my dad had them too, and he was fine. So don't go smearing Charlie's here. Could have been the Chipotle queso from the night before, however. It was definitely the Chipotle <laughs> queso. We told you not to eat that. I know. I was so mad at myself as I'm. So halftime hits. I'm starting to not feel good. Second half rolls around. I feel like an idiot because the people sitting next to me who either listen to the podcast or read the site, and I was talking to throughout the game probably think I have a problem because now I'm getting the chills and I'm shaking uncontrollably for almost the entire second half. Um, like my knees shaking, arms shaking. They probably think I'm like either trying to kick a drug habit or have Tourette's or something. So if those people are listening, uh, I'm not, I'm not a weirdo. I was just sick. Well, um, I don't know about, I don't have to get dismissed the weirdo. So the fourth quarter starts. Um, now, um, now things are, things are getting out of control. I get up and walk around to start the fourth quarter. Go into the bathroom and do the old, oh, this is going to happen thing. Uh-oh. Go into the stall, doubled over, hands on knees, staring at the Wells Fargo Center abyss, thinking thinking this is how the night's going to go. Um, impressively, I rebound from that. Nothing happens. I buy myself a Pepsi, get back to my seat. I, I left. The Sixers were up like four. I come back. They're down four. So compounding problems or the Sixers are in the process of – ejaculating away the home opener. Uh, I get back to my seat with six minutes to go. I'm just waiting for the game to end. Thank God for only two timeouts in the last two minutes. Uh, we get out to the car. I had texted you guys. I'm like, guys, cannot do burgers. I need to get home. Um, which now I feel really bad because you tell me that you're two cars behind us in line. 
at which point I could have just hopped out of the car and handed you the burgers. That was my hope. I was going to send my wife out. and You and should I have. have. Yeah. Well, you know, I like, would have volunteered gonna, had well, I Kyle, not been what am, on the verge Kyle, what am I going to do? Am I going to say, hey, hon, uh, get out while all these uh, you know, dimwits are trying to funnel into the same line. Go bang on Kyle's window <laughs> where I'm sure he's probably puked all over his car by now. <laughs> so I'm like, there's a no-win proposition here. And the worst part is, actually the part that made it worse, is when we came out to the car, I saw your car with the headlights on still parked, and I looked at it like, do I walk over and get them, or did he puke all over the burgers at this point? Oh, like, you these, should have. These were these were the concerns I had, so I'm looking forward to the next time we get together. I'm expecting Charlie's. Anyway, continue, because, oh, wait, no, 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 let me tell the people what happened. So he says, guys, burgers in the parking lot are not happening. It's now a race. <laughs> I'm like, so. this is not a good time for you to need to race to the bathroom. It's not a good time. Like, this is bad. And I'm like, the worst part is you didn't leave early, which I thought you should have done if you were sick. You waited until everybody else and their mother got in their car. And Wells Fargo Center's parking lot is the biggest train wreck. Leaving the sports complex is the worst nightmare you could ever imagine. It, you and know, it's gotten especially better. Especially because it's sellout. No. No, 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 I'm sorry. I'm uh, sorry. I'm sorry. It's gotten worse. It used to. Yeah, it's like. I used to never have a problem getting out except like the CBP lot and obviously Eagles games. But Flyers and Sixers games never gave me a problem. The last. It's awful. Yeah, I don't know awful. what the hell they changed about traffic pattern. Um, I don't. It's because they, they don't let you. They, they like. The people. I, I don't know what. The people the, hailing traffic. They're the ones. Yes. They, they, they stop you us. from going. Well, they do because they stop you from going certain directions. And they try to funnel, like, how many thousands of cars through, like, the same two or three turnstiles. It's just stupid. Anyway, so, to, so you're to behind wrap us. up this really yeah. long story. <laughs> so, so you're behind us. Now I feel bad because I figured, oh, well, at least he probably hated the game. Um, I mean, we did. Okay. But, oh, okay. Well, but, I don't feel so bad. Well, uh, so I was I'm, still hungry. Like, I, I was, uh, you know, I was looking forward to these burgers. You know, I was told they were the greatest burgers in the world, so. So I have eight burgers in the car in a cooler. Uh, I'm, we have my car. Uh, my dad is driving, which is probably why I saw the headlights on because he, you know, when someone gets in your car for the first time, hey, where's the park brake? Where's it? So um, we get out. I figure we'll stay to the end of the game. It took us so long to get there. It was a good game. I felt like maybe I can make it through. Um, so we're pulling out. He's driving. I'm in the passenger seat, not feeling horrible in the car. Like I'm feeling like, all right, I might be able to do this. Um, there, you know, my parents only live about 25 minutes away, so I have a nice. I have a nice pit stop if I need it. Uh, we're in the parking lot for a half hour and nothing happens. You were on the verge of seeing me hop out of the car and throw up in the lot. That would have uh, been fine because I would <laughs> said, yeah, we're in the burgers. You could have photoed that, uh, videoed that. Put um, it on the website. That'd anyway, long story short is we hang the left out of the this lot. Is, to get there's no long story short. It's been <laughs> we, 15 minutes. We hang the left out of the lot to get on 95 South. As we're making that turn at the light and getting on that little short ramp to 95 South, if you're familiar with it, um, things take a turn for the worse. I casually look at my dad and say, uh, you know, I'm going to owe you a new cooler. And he's like, no, that's actually yours. We were giving it back to you. So I was like, well, going to have to get a new one. Slowly, gradually, calmly, coolly, by the way, open the cooler, remove the burgers, put them on the floor. Um, Cooler turned out to be the perfect receptacle for what was about to go down. It was deep and wide, and it zipped. 
Uh, and as we're getting on 95 South, uh, it happens. And uh, So you did been... save the burgers. I thought you puked on the burgers. No, Well, you know, I mean, they were in the vicinity of puke. No, nah, I still would have eaten them. They were probably... You probably would have. So we brought them out while it was funny. So that started a really bad 48 hours for me. Uh, I made it back to my... I went back to my parents. There was no way I was driving another hour to Bucks County, so I stayed on their couch. Um, and it was a rough 48 hours. We did bring the burgers in and toyed with the idea of like putting them in the fridge or something. But, I mean, for me, I may not be able to eat a Charlie's for another two years after that. Um, and didn't seem like didn't seem that appetizing for anybody after uh, after what went down. So I got sick. We didn't get the burgers. We wind up throwing out eight Charlie's burgers. Don't meet up with you guys. Um, you guys, you almost got to witness me throw up in the lot. So it was a, it was a bad night uh, all around. Um, shout out to the people who said hello. Apologize to the people sitting next to me who thought I have an uncontrollable problem with shaking. Um, <laughs> So, still a little bit sick, but uh, so let's we should talk, probably talk about let's talk Sixers about the game. and Fultz. Yeah, let's talk about the game. Let's talk about Fultz. Let's, let's talk, talk about, about the, Fultz. Let's. I, I want to talk about some disasters that unfolded. Okay. Because okay? Okay. I've got I've got some serious issues with with the way that things went down. Let's talk about that Boston game really quick. Home opener, good atmosphere. I'm not watching. Um, you know, I, I kind of did miss the process days a little bit because, uh, well, partially because of the parking lot situation. And I also, look, I know that people had, like, it was a big sports radio conversation. It was a big conversation on some of the Sixers podcasts about, you know, like, are, are people who trusted the process, people who sat through these years, are we really okay with people jumping back on the bandwagon, having casual fans come back to the games? And, and I was one of the people that said, yeah, like, let them come back in. Don't have unrealistic expectations. I say that, and I said I think they were going to go, what, 46 and 36. But, like, you cannot expect, after all these years of not being a fan, to all of a sudden walk back in and see this massively successful team. Like, it's still going to take time for them to gel. They haven't had a preseason, really, to gel between Embiid, Simmons, and Fultz. Fultz is his own kind of mess at this point, although Simmons isn't that far behind. Um, Wait, what? I'll get to that in a second. Oh, this is going to be the take good, of all time. Light me up. So the Boston game, right? You're watching a team lead at halftime. They look confident. They're not shooting the ball well, but they look like a pretty decent bunch. It looks like Boston is totally going to implode, go to 0-3. Life is going to be great. And then the fourth quarter happens. And the amount of fouls that were called in that game against the Sixers were... Uh, th- that was one of the... I think had to be one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen. Uh, I I did not see the foul differential, but it was bad. Like being there live, it felt like the flow of that game just dissipated immediately. Sometimes being there live can make it seem worse because you're caught up with the crowd, but I would say that was not the case. There was there were bad calls both ways, and. It's like they were trying to make up for some of the earlier piss poor calls by calling some piss poor fouls on the Celtics later in the game. It was just poorly officiated all around. There was no flow, ticky tack calls, and that definitely it definitely hurt the Sixers. The lady uh, ref was the best one though. She was. She, she, she was the best. She, she was she was quite good. There was one guy, I don't know who it was, but he was thirty two. He was awful. Whoever he was, ref thirty two is, if you're listening to this podcast, 
uh, I don't like you. Anyway, I don't have as much of a problem with everyone's freaking out right now. Um, and I'm surprised. Like, even I would think level-headed people on Twitter, in our Slack chat, certainly on the radio. Our Slack treating, chat is are, a terrible place right now. It is. It, are treating this like a you know an Eagles team coming off a 9-7 and seven season that is expected to like can definitely contend for a bye or a division championship. And that is not what the Sixers are, especially at this juncture of the season. They're with their full team against the Wizards and a Celtics team that is, you know, a work in progress still. They had leads at halftime. They had leads in the fourth quarter. I think they did against the Wizards. I mean, this was on the road against the Wizards and the home opener against the Celtics. They played well enough to win both of those games. Now, they faltered down the stretch of the Wizards game. The foul calls and other faltering down the stretch in the Celtics game hurt them. It's really that Raptors debacle on Saturday night that has really put it left a sour taste in everybody's mouth for 48 hours. I don't think there's that much to worry about. Like, yes, they don't well, look good. But look, think of it this way. There are th- – I mean, you're starting – you know, you got two rookies. So Ben Simmons, before last hold went – Hold on. Before Wednesday night, he's never played in a game. Fultz never played in a game. J.J. Redick is, is a new f- uh, free agent. Jared Bayless, for all intents and purposes, didn't really play for the team last year. Joel Embiid barely pl- has barely played it in the preseason and practice with the team. Like you have all these new pieces. Amir Johnson, who's getting a lot of playing time, is a new free agent signing. Rashawn Holmes is hurt. Um, that's that's the big takeaway. Sorry. That hurts. You said yeah. you said they had a full squad and they don't because Rashawn is is ostensibly your best backup center, your best backup big man overall who could play the four. Oh God, that sounded like the uh, the queso cough. I hope you're alive. I thought I knew um, that. You, you, uh, there was like a second there. I yeah. got to hear. I got to look into the the darkest depths of your uh, your lungs. Anyway, um, Rashawn Holmes being out is a much bigger deal than I think people expected it to be. Go on with your point. Y- I, yes. That's, oh, that's I know. That's an aside. I, I would agree with that. It forces that's you a, to play a, Amir Johnson more. Um, Amir Johnson, who, by the way, did you see the uh, the back and forth he had on Twitter? I enjoyed I enjoyed his back and forth with completely castrating Joe DeCamera, who tweets what did he say? Amir Johnson he said is has just been unwatchable. Unwatchable. And then Amir just and he didn't tag Amir. Amir just happened I don't know if somebody tagged him in it or what, but then Amir responded with something along the lines of, Hey, don't get too down, you know, we'll we'll bounce back. And, and Joe like, responds, uh, hey, great to hear. Thanks for like thanks, Amir. Uh, really, really big fan of this team. Rooting for you guys. Like, I Jody didn't realize was, he was sitting in the cafeteria, and he was saying that Amir Johnson is such a loser. You should have seen this guy fail his algebra quiz. What a big stupid loser! And then Amir Johnson like rounds the table with his uh, pork chop and mashed potatoes, looks back at Joe and says, "Hey Joe, have a good day." Joe's just like, "Oh man, I saw you in math class, man. I love those shoes, man. What what are those? Those Adidas." Oh, I love those. Those are new Yeezys? Are those the new UA Steph Curry 2s? Um, and then he says, no, nobody wears that crap. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize it was Joe at first who sent that tweet. I just saw the screenshot, and I was like, oh, man, this fan got played. And then I was like, oh, holy shit, that was Joe the camera. That sucks. He got, and, I guess you could say he got hammered. He did get hammered. The, poor, the hammer, 
who does a nice job in press conferences, got he got nailed. The hammer got nailed. Hashtag the hammer got nailed. Um, and anyway, I don't. So look, I don't. I, I don't share the panic about the start. I just think the the Raptors game is an anomaly. You have guys who have like literally mm-hmm. never played an NBA back to back before. Mm-hmm. You're without Joel Embiid. You're coming off an emotional opening night loss. Like they were going to lose that game ten times out of ten. Kevin did a piece last week where he looked at the opening of the schedule and really like read the piece when he first wrote it. I thought, okay, I don't know, like. You know, I, like this typically isn't the sort of piece we do on the site. And then I read it and I'm like, oh man, holy shit. Like the start of their schedule, their first 15 games is so incredibly difficult. And, I, and now I'm glad that we did the piece because people are going to freak out. And like, I think he pegged them for four and 11 through 15 games. And if that's the case, first of all, that would probably be looking good now. But if that's the case, people are going to be losing their minds. Like we thought it was a playoff team. It's the same old team. And then you realize they have just this hellacious schedule. This young team that's barely being put together is playing literally the best teams in the in the world over the next four weeks. The Rockets twice, the Warriors twice. It's I think twice with the Warriors. It's it's ridiculous. And now we're making excuses. No, it's, no. These these are not excuse. These are legitimate things. It's a like, little bit of an excuse. It is. This is not because this is last week. And he said, "Look, if you could weather this, go four and eleven." play 500 ball in the middle of your schedule and the last 15 games you have like 9 of 15 at home against bad teams like this team could actually start chunking off wins in their last 15 to 20 games it's not an excuse like this is a team that hasn't played together it's a team that's relying on guys that have played a combined 31 NBA games and you're starting a season off with a bunch of road games against literally the best teams in the league like you're probably not going to win a lot of them but once you're out of this and you start to put a team together, like I have no doubt that when they play the Knicks in December, like they should be rolling teams like that. Really, honestly, I think they're that good. I mean, Ben Simmons, I can't wait to hear your take on this. I mean, he's averaging like, like what, 15, 10, and 7 over his first three games? That is downright in- impressive. It's downright impressive. He's going to be a star. Yes, he's got to finish the basket a little bit better. Yes, of course, he has to develop a jump shot and get more reliable on his free throw because I think sometimes he tries to compensate for the fact that he's a bad free throw shooter by avoiding contact. If he encourages contact and can hit free throws at a 75% clip, he will be unstoppable. Um, Joel and B look bad Friday night. I don't think that's worth looking into. Should what do you mean give, it's not worth looking into? Well, I, you got like is. you got like ten minutes, so I figure we got to pick and choose our battles. Joel Embiid struggling from three is like not a huge concern at this point. He's just got to get into cons- the paint more. Mm. It's a concern oh, when practically man. every position. No, six one zero, six three two. Sweet Jesus. Okay. Do you want to give your Ben Simmons take? Because I feel like that's going. Let to be me give better a bunch of here. takes. You 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 had a lot of takes. There. I got all day. You're the one who's so, got to go teach kids. Here are the issues that I have. One. Joel, after that Boston game, said that the team has to get him the ball in the post more. I want Joel Embiid, who I love, I want Joel Embiid to explain to me how his teammates are supposed to get him the ball in the post when he starts practically every possession at the top of the three-point arc and hangs out there for most of a possession. You cannot get the guy the ball in the post when he's waiting for a kickback three. He didn't set himself up in the post enough. So, 
that comes down to two things. Is it game plan? Or is it is it just Joel not feeling comfortable enough? I, don't, I, I couldn't really fathom why he's afraid to go up against awkward white guys from the Celtics in the post. I, and to go against Al Horford, who he could absolutely manhandle. Well, he like, was that up against the been, white guy more. Uh, Bain? Payne? Yeah, not, not Kelly Olenek. This guy looks a little bit... A little bit tougher, although I think he had a man bun, which kind of negates that. He did, but um, he, he, he played but him look, well. I, I agree with you. Had, Joel I, should have easily, easily been able to have at least eight shots in the paint, eight buckets in the paint. How many points did he finish with? Was it nine? Nine on the game? I think Simmons had 11. I don't, um, I don't think it, it should have been easy. I thought that guy actually did a nice job on him. Um, and, you know, came to play uh again i was watching this through ill eyes so bear with me but i agree with you i did i saw his quotes and thought they were a little bit over the top i don't think he meant to take shots at teammates i just think he's trying to play that leader role and and say it like it is and they need to get me the ball more but yeah i would agree with you to me that was not on his teammates not getting him the ball it was like joel you weren't there like you know um if you want the ball in the paint you have to go in the paint Here's my um, here's my problem you. with Ben, and and this I'm gonna keep it. Should be no, good. No, it good. If it's anything no, other than because a if you watch, form. look, if you watch the game, if you've watched these three games, oh, it's been wait. the same. No, it's not a hot take. It's a legitimate criticism. Ben Simmons in that Boston game specifically, what did he do practically every time down the court, Kyle? Where did he go? He went into the paint yes. and kicked the ball out. He had multiple opportunities Literally to draw contact. That, not every possession. He goes into the paint, shies away from contact, doesn't draw enough fouls. Look, in a game where the refs were whistle-happy, the Sixers were, were outshot at the free-throw line by a pretty substantial margin. Ben Simmons does not draw the, the foul which means he's not getting to the line where we can see his incredibly impressive free throw form that he apparently has not worked on over the last year when he wasn't playing. Um, look, if he's not going to shoot ever, then it's going to become an issue. It's easier to defend Ben Simmons. Now, did he get to the? Did he get into the paint at will? Sort of, yeah. But when you started seeing how they how the Celtics defended that later in the game, they let him go into the paint. And they played the uh, the guys on the outside harder because they knew the ball was eventually going to come out. There was little to no threat that he was going to finish at the rim. And so that's the issue that I have. If Ben is not going to shoot, we're not even talking about him shooting threes. Like, I'm saying a mid-range jumper. All right. So that's, that's it. That is an issue. I get the idea that Ben's Ben is at his best when he's collapsing a defense. I will continue to make the argument that Ben Simmons is a very good open floor Fast break point guard. He is not right now their best option in the half court set. All right, all right, all right. Um, now, if you disagree with that, you can be wrong. But he is not a, a a great half court point guard. He's just not. And where they could be exploiting his size in a mismatch off the ball, they can't because he's he's controlling it. That's why you started to see in the Toronto game at least a little bit when Fultz was in with him. Fultz was was handling the ball more in half court sets. So I'm not nuts, although we could also make the argument that they didn't do a lot right in that Toronto game. A 34-point loss is inexcusable. All right, all right, before you get there, before we move on, 
Uh, all right, so all right, your take isn't quite as crazy as I thought. A little bit crazy, not quite as crazy. Uh, I agree with you. Yeah, he's better. Of course, he's better in the open court. They could do a better job of getting him more involved off the ball, getting him in the low post, getting some favorable matchups because he's such a matchup nightmare. I all I agree with all of that. Um, I w- I think you used the the word bad or poor, or inexcusable a few times in there. It's his third NBA game, and he's averaging. I don't. He's no. hold on, hold on. He's pushing up on a triple double. Like there is, there is no. I think all the words you're using are way hyperbolic or over the top, given the situation. Uh, given the he's fact he's played that, basketball his entire it, life. Russ, stop, stop. It's the it, there's a real. It's this is real. When you co- become a professional athlete in your rookie year, you struggle with things you didn't used to struggle because the competition's different. This isn't like some crazy. Uh, you know, crazy concept that I'm putting forth. Throw in the fact that Fultz, the guy who was supposed to share the load with him, is a is an absolute mess of himself right now. And Simmons is doing just fine. Yeah, of course there could be improvements. You know, no one no one comes into the league and is averaging 25, 10, and 10. All right, so I I agree with you. He's better in the open court. The the half court offense will get better. I I'm 100 on board that I am disappointed that his free throw looks as wishy-washy as it did because if you'd figure there was one thing he was able to do for six months last year when he really was supposed to be keeping off the foot it would be shooting free throws flat-footed like that's the one thing you could do as a basketball player to at least get your form down and it looks like he did none of that for a guy who works out a lot and has a, has a great training regimen it looks like he sort of eschewed that and that's disappointing because he should have been able to come into the season as reliable 75 percent free throw shooters uh, and that's not the case. And if he is a good free throw shooter, then to your point, when he gets in the lane, he could look, he could almost get contact at will because he can finish impressively when he avoids contact. As someone who spent 12 hours on the couch after that game and watched Sports Center for almost the entire time, they were gushing over Ben Simmons' ability even on Friday night because once he does, he can finish incredibly well. He's tall; he can get around defenders. But you're right; he shies away from contact. He's a little bit kick happy. And if he get if he get to the line, that would be all the better. Set aside the fact that if he eventually develops a jump shot, which can happen, like these these is a twenty one year old guy. There are countless NBA players right now in their mid to late twenties who did not have a jump shot when they entered the league, and now are are highly reliable, highly reliable score. Like Mike Conley is a good example. But there's a difference. There's not a difference. Yes, Mike Conley was terrific point guard coming into the league. Didn't have a shot. Now he's among the more, I don't know if reliable, but among the higher three-point shooters Kyle, in the league this last year. No, this isn't a matter of Ben being unable to shoot. It's him being unwilling to shoot. Connery Russ, at least Russ, shot the ball. Dude, Russ, how many but, jump shots has Ben taken? Look, as of recording this morning, <laughs> Ben Simmons right now is fifth in the NBA in two-point field goal attempts at 42. Fifth. You're saying he's unwilling. He's un- You're saying he's, you're saying he's because kick-happy. Because his shot's... He is, but his shot attempts have all been in the paint. Look, there's, there's also... still attempts. You can't say he's kick happy and then say, oh, by the way, he's, he is he's, kick happy. He has the fifth most attempts when in... he gets no, because he's not finishing at a high clip at the rim. There have and been plenty that... of times that he's gone to finish at the rim Correct. where he's missed and collected his own shot. So that that number is a little bit deceptive. It's not which like... is why he's not shooting jump shots because if for as as you know, I'd still say he's above average. I mean, he's. He's finished well on a number of shots, okay? Um, 
but like his jump shot, you can't say that like, oh, well, he should be shooting jump shots. No, he's way more inefficient at jump shots. I'm guessing that between him and Brett Brown, they decided, look, unless you're wide open, don't take the jump shot. You're still more effective driving at this point. That's the point. Like, you're not just going to have him throw up shots he knows he's not going to make or he's going to make it a 28% clip. This is the NBA. Like, you're not learning on the job like that. He's got to develop that shot in his own time and slowly bring it into his NBA game. You don't want him out there his rookie year, especially on a team that could contend for the playoffs, maybe, um, jacking up jacking up six, seven jump shots per game if you're only going to make one or two of them. It's inefficient. He's definitely not a three-point shooter. The Sixers are not a jump shot shooting team. They're a modern, progressive, analytical team. They take You want to take layups and threes. Like that, that is what you want to do, ideally. The mid-range jump shot is not a high percentage shot, especially for someone like Ben Simmons. You're much better getting into the paint and trying a tough shot and maybe getting fouled or kicking it out to the three-point line and having someone who's pretty good at it fire up a three. Ben Simmons firing a 30% two-point jumper is not worth it at this point. That's intentional. How are think, we, that's not I, on I Ben. I don't understand how you can make the case that the guy, if, if we're believe, talking about I learning on the job. Markel Fultz can't shoot a, can't hit the, no, the he's rim his on own, a free throw. Look, he's his own And we're own talking about Ben mess. Simmons. He's his own mess and his own monster. It's not that it's unbelievable. It's just disappointing. Like, look, it's, if there's we're nothing, gonna, if there's we're, like literally nothing disappointing about Ben If you Simmons. were going to make the case that Toronto, the Toronto game was going to be a loss regardless, then Ben should have been working on his timing with the jump shot in the flow of the offense. He should have been. All and right, it's so, not a waste. Right, so look, it's not a waste for him to take five game. jump shots a game. Like in the preseason, I think he shot like 26% from outside outside the paint. That's why he's okay, not which shooting is, them. Which is bad. But Kyle, it's, it's his rookie season. He's allowed to miss jump shots. But he's got to build the timing. The offense is kind of predicated around his his ball handling ability, but he also needs to be an actual you know off ball option. When Fultz runs a half court set, and you know that Ben Simmons isn't going to shoot the ball, you can sag off him defensively. You can give him ten feet because you know that all he's going to do is attack the rim. That's my problem. That's my point. It's not that Ben is being has been a disappointment. He hasn't been. I want to see him shoot. I want to see him work through those kinks early in his career, especially in games that, like, yeah, it's a tough stretch to start the season. I'd rather see him get those shots up in the first 15 games and see if he can build some sort of confidence in it and have it be at least something that defenses have to respect, at least in the slightest bit. You know, it's not like that he's he's up against Brooklyn right now where, like, you know, anybody could beat Brooklyn. Russ, all right, but uh, I no one is disagreeing that they want to see Ben Simmons develop a jump shot. No one. Because if needs he to d- work on it in a game, hold pile. on. That's my if, point. No, uh, that's where we disagree. If he does, he could truly be one of the great ones. If he develops even a, a, any semblance of a reliable shot, he absolutely. But he right now he does. It's not like he's some great shooter working through something. You're like, look, you just got to work it out. He does not have a good form. He does not have a reliable shot. He does not have great mechanics. I am. I am not Sam. I am whatever. Um, he. Like it's not the thing that you just work on in a game. He's not working through every anything. He actually has to build it. Like you don't construct your jump shot in a game. What we're seeing right now with Fultz, oh by the way, is him trying to construct his free throw shot in NBA games, which is That's terrible. Which is an embarrassment. Awful. And you don't want Simmons doing that. Yes, like he will absolutely be better with a jump shot. No one, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. But we can't come in here and get down on him. We knew this coming in. He's 21. It will develop. It may take a couple of 
seasons. It's going to take a full offseason working with, they're going to bring in Herb McGee, the shooting guru, the shot doc, right? They're going to have someone like that work with Ben for an entire summer, and he's going to come back and shoot 8 to 10% points higher. Then why didn't percent, then why did higher. it happen last year? That's, I, my, that, that's my question. That's, I don't know. But, he wasn't I, clear, okay, for, listen, off, he wasn't clear for basketball ben. for a while. My guess is they were— Do you really yeah. believe that? Well, look, so let's look. Yeah, well, I don't let's know. Go, like, let's get off Ben. You could let's question the way the Sixers handle a lot of training things, both medically and in terms of training, and and that's a fair one. Like, why is Ben Simmons not shooting 400 free throws a day for the last six months? No reason why he shouldn't have been. And clear, there's no way he was because when he steps to that line, he does not look good. Now, all right. So re- really quick, let's yeah. let's let's pivot. Uh, Fultz looks awful. He looks lost. The only time he really looks like a threat is when he has the ball in his hands, which is a very frightening proposition, especially if you are a proponent of he and Ben playing together, which we all really should be. Um, my issue at this point, and, and this isn't to sound the panic alarm, I want to believe that he's hurt and that the reason that he looks like this is because he's hurt. But if that's the thought process, I have two issues. Is that the organization didn't want the narrative? I, I've said this before, but... Is that the organization didn't want the narrative of Philly has another injured first-round draft pick overshadowing everything because that that absolutely would have led coverage in any game that they had played? Or is it really that they're trying to get him to play through pain because it's not that bad of an injury? My issue is, what if it's not? Like, what if the kid who's 19 really did mess with his jump shot for, you know, he, he changed the form a bit because of pain at some point in the summer— and he hasn't been able to get it back. Like, that is scary. There were multiple opportunities in that Boston game that we were at where he had a wide-open jump shot. I think it was the end of the third quarter. He had a wide-open three. Wide open. We're talking 10 to 15 feet until the next defender. And instead of pulling the trigger on that three, he drove in and then he kicked out. They need somebody to be willing to shoot, and it can't just be J.J. Redick every game. Yeah, it, no, look. I, and I gotta. I probably have to get going. So you can you can riff on that. All right. Um I just had one other really quick point. There it is, worldwide genocide. I know, yeah. So, really quick. Here, you talking is, about faults. Is, Let me throw something else at is, you to chew on. Now, well, because I want you to, you can riff on this as well. So, this is where I kind of pump the brakes and I say everybody needs to breathe a little bit. Because you can be critical and still tell people to calm down. The Sixers of of their roster, right, four of the five guys as that they started... Out. Yeah, four of the five guys that they started were guys who had been part of the organization last year. Eight out of ten, not including the two-way contract guys. Uh, that includes Rashawn, who's that injured. Eight of the ten guys have returned. They should have a little bit better chemistry. Like when they, when we're talking about the bench guys coming in, I, I'm a little bit disappointed that they don't look a little bit more cohesive. We know that the preseason was non-existent for their starters, but you know, guys like Dario, TLC, Stauskas hasn't played much. Vegan Jaw has only played in one game. Uh, they have a chemistry issue. By comparison, Boston, three of their five starters were on the team last year. Only three of their ten bench guys, and they look like they had better chemistry that night. Washington is a team that I did not expect. Uh, I wasn't totally expecting them to beat. Five out of five starters returned. Four out of ten guys were on the team last year. They had four all-star appearances between them. Eight for Boston. Toronto, four out of five of their starters were on the team last year. Eight of their nine bench guys, not including the two-way guys, eight combined All-Star appearances. Four for, or, or set, sorry, six, three for Lowry, three for DeRozan. My point here in all of this mess is that you went up against teams that finished uh, first, third, and fourth in the in the Eastern Conference last year, respectively. 
that have had plenty of time, plenty of, of, of hard games together, including playoff runs, uh, of building chemistry. You could have and brought this in, up when you were when you were claiming in, that I was making excuses for the Sixers. Well, no. I'm, what I'm saying is <laughs> – it does sound like I'm hedging now. Uh, it sure does. Look, there, there are things that I think are reasonable to expect. Going on – Going to Toronto on the second half of a back-to-back, expecting a win is irresponsible. But what's not irresponsible, and where I, I disagree with you, is a 34-point loss, 36-point, no, yeah, 34-point loss is inexcusable, especially for a team that has brought back as many guys as they did from last year. I would expect team defense to be better, and I would expect them to have a little bit more pride in what they're doing. The I think the biggest boo-boo the biggest bugaboo for them on the defensive side of the ball has been their three-point defense they've been sagging off guys i i've seen more wide open threes uh, attempted by the opposition this year than i can remember even during many of the process years so there you go kyle there there are two things go ahead riff trash me uh i'll hang up and listen we'll be back by the way we didn't say this but we'll be back tomorrow with adam to recap the eagles game do you have them winning tonight or losing uh, I haven't decided. I, ha- I honest to God, haven't thought about it. I haven't I, either. I, I, I will today, uh, and I will put it on the website. We'll have our predictions. All right, talk to you there. All right. I agree with a lot of uh, your your points about defensive struggles and not losing by 36 points and looking like there, in some cases, have been a lack of defensive effort and the second unit not looking cohesive at all, considering a lot of those guys have played together. That's disappointing. Um but what he threw me for a, a loop now. We were talking about faults. Yeah, faults. So here, here's all I will say. <clears throat> see if I can even get through this on, on faults. There's no good answer for this. If his shoulder is really screwing with his shot, that's concerning, but it's probably better than him being so inside his head that the number one overall pick who was drafted partly because of his shot can't shoot. Um, and that would be on the Sixers. Again, the medical staff. They brought in a new doctor, Dr. Medina, and it's mostly the same staff, but this guy is overseeing them, and it's a comprehensive plan from chef to trainer, all this stuff. If he's truly hurt and it's impacting his shot and and potentially impacting his development at this point, then just sit him down. As much as the headlines are going to suck and people are going to be unhappy with it, if he's generally hurt, genuinely hurt, then just sit him down. And the Sixers say they checked it out. I can't recall if the quote said they did an MRI. I believe it's they did, but I don't have it in front of me. But they checked it out. The shoulder is structurally, apparently, supposedly fine, and it's just a pain thing, which is really odd because if it's that you know if it's that persistent, you would think there is something structurally that's irritating it. If he claims to have no pain and is going out there and has pain then it's on faults to be honest with the team. You know, he's a, he's an NBA rookie. He's the number one overall pick. There's pressure on him to succeed. Thankfully, you have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid taking some of that pressure off him. But if he does have pain, it's on him to step forward and say, you know what, I'm hurt. I can't go. Like, there's no shame in that. And I get the pressure to try and play through it. But clearly, you're not playing through it. It's It's impacting you and in a big way. So there's no good answer here. Either he's the, the medical team has missed something, if it's an injury. Either the medical team has missed something or Fultz is, is not being totally forthright. 
And that's something they've, I think, worked their way towards with Embiid, getting an, an honest understanding that the player's going to tell you when they're not feeling right. Because that, that's a big part of this. And you could do yourself a lot more harm than good by trying to play through pain, especially at this point uh, in the regular season, in your career, your first year, all that stuff. If it's not pain and a shoulder thing, then it's an even bigger problem. Because the reason the reason Markel Fultz, and if you could go back and listen to our draft podcast and read draft scouting reports, or just go on YouTube and watch draft scouting videos of the top four or five guys, Lonzo Ball, uh, Markel Fultz, Josh Jackson, Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox, um, Dennis Smith Jr. What made Fultz stand out above all these guys and become the consensus number one pick was his ability to score from three levels in the paint, in the mid-range, and from three, and to do it efficiently at all of those spots. He was not the most quickest, most athletic guy getting to the rim. That was De'Aaron Fox, and maybe Dennis Smith Jr., who, who might have the most talent. Excuse me for one sec. <clears throat> Thankfully, there's a mute button. Um, what made him better than Lonzo who was an all-world shooter and passer in college, was the fact that Markel's shot actually translates a little bit better to the NBA than Lonzo's because he has a higher release. He doesn't need as much separation. A lot of Lonzo's success shooting the ball in college came from way deep when he had shorter defenders on him. It's not going to be the case on the NBA. You have tall guards. His release is kind of low. And these were the things we were like, well, Fultz is a more reliable shooter. His shot translates better because he releases higher. Uh, he could release it in more traffic, all this stuff, and he could get to the basket. So he was able to score from all three levels. When you take away his shot, he becomes the Aaron Fox, and he's not nearly as quick or straight-up athletic or really doesn't quite have the all-out motor that Fox has. But we didn't want Fox because the Sixers needed a shooter, and getting J.J. Redick wasn't the answer to that. He's great for a year or two, but we needed a, a, a scoring guard who could shoot because otherwise Fox has looked pretty good so far. And the Sixers went out and got Fultz because he he checked all the boxes. He was the perfect player for the team. He was a ball handling guard. He could play off the ball and he could shoot reliably. He can get to the paint. He was the perfect player. And that's why it made sense for them to do what they had to do. Whatever happened with his shot is a huge problem because when you're seeing what happens when you take away Take it away. That spin move to the basket is not effective if the defender is playing three feet off of you because you're just going to spin right into him. If you can knock down a shot every once in a while, you don't need to be a 40% three-point shooter, but if you're a 36% three-point shooter and can reliably hit that hezzy pull-up, now you have a defender who's a foot away from you and your, your spin move gets by him. Fultz is definitely athletic enough and quick enough to get by guys, but they have to be playing on him. And Russ brought it up. We saw it multiple times. I, I'd say once, at least once each game so far, where Fultz has had a wide open look from three. On a team that wants a move with with speed and pace and jack up a lot of threes, and he hasn't even thought about it. Now, maybe that's a coaching thing. Maybe they know his shot is bunk like like with Ben Simmons, and they're you know telling him, hey, just don't shoot. Just take it to the basket. But that's a problem You because that is Simmons, and that's been the knock on Simmons all along. And I know this is probably like basketball 101 for, for most fans, but 
we've kind of always accepted with Simmons that he might never become a great jump shooter. Um, and that's fine if you pair him with a guard who can shoot. And But having two guys like that, Fultz is not as athletic as Simmons. He doesn't have some of the same raw abilities. He's a pretty, he's shown to be a pretty good passer, actually. A pretty good playmaker. But he's still not on the level of Simmons or Lonzo Ball. So all these ancillary things are built around the fact that he's a reliable shooter. Not a great one, but a reliable one. And without that, he just becomes a very, you know, one-and-a-half-dimensional guard of which you could have got better in the draft in Dennis Smith Jr. or De'Aaron Fox. Or if you were looking for someone who could also make plays and still have a three-point shot, then Lonzo Ball would have been the better player. And this is what's the big problem with Fultz. And until he figures out the shot, whether it's his shoulder or his mechanics or whatever it is, it's a problem. And it's... I think we're past the point of being like, oh, well, you know, it's just a, a little slump or it's just a little thing he's working through. Like, there's clearly some sort of issue here. He is inside his own head. His fr- The fact that the number one pick in the NBA draft is clanking free throws off the side of the backboard, like something is wrong. And this is not going to right itself in the course of a couple of weeks. Now, there's a reasonable chance this becomes something that we look back on in three, four, five years as just a minor blip on the radar and say, hey, remember that? Fultz didn't get off to the greatest of starts. But boy, the two-time All-Star is dominating the league now and shooting 39% from three-point land. That is totally possible. You know, There's a lot of cases in the NBA. Look at a lot of star NBA players. They develop late. I mean, in Fultz's case, it wouldn't even be late. He's 19 years old. Um, you know, But they struggle as a rookie, and it takes them a while. Kyle Lowry who's one of my favorite players, really wasn't, he was good, but he was far from a great player until he was in his late 20s, early 30s. I don't think it's going to be the case with faults, but you know th- this could very much be a blip on the radar. However, it is concerning. It's no longer takey to be like, uh-oh, this is not good. You have a guy out there who looks lost on the floor. In his roll off the ball, he looks lost. In his just complete ignoring of anything resembling an outside jump shot. Um, He keeps driving in the traffic and getting blocked. That will write itself. His free throw, there's just a lot of bad signs here. I'm not ready to call him a bust. It takes a long time before someone can be declared a bust. But there there are, to put it in the words of Bill Simmons, some genuine red flags at the moment. And we're not, no one is really sure what they are. If they're injury-based, if they're mental-based, if they're the fact that he just made a bad decision and, and worked, worked on a shot this summer no one really knows and the Sixers are being a little inconsistent with the messaging you know Brett Brown tells tells Kevin at a press conference you know we're all making too much of it and then he said then like a week later he says well no his shoulder is impacting his free throw form like that is a that is a huge range from no this isn't a big deal to yeah the number one overall pick has, has such a bum shoulder that he can't shoot a free throw that's a huge range and I don't know. It's hard to kill the Sixers because you don't know if they're doing anything to make this worse. You don't know what Fultz is telling them. But he is not in a position to succeed on the court right now. And it's really, uh, it's it's definitely concerning. So uh, I wouldn't panic on the Sixers. I think they're going to be fine. They were in position to beat the Wizards and Celtics for the first two games and couldn't pull it out at the end. The Raptors game, just throw it in the trash. Uh, they're going to struggle. They might only get four wins over the next month. 
the schedule is really difficult. They're going to play the Rockets and Warriors twice. That That's not forgiving. There's a lot of other good teams in there too. Let's By mid-December though, kind, kind of like last year, once we hit January, this team, the schedule gets more favorable. They're at home more. They will have had time to gel. Maybe Fultz works through a little bit of what he's struggling with right now. At no point this season is he going to be a reliable three-point shooter. But maybe he develops his pull-up game a little bit, which he's tried a little bit over the last game and a half with not a ton of success, but he has tried it. Um, so let's see. I think they win tonight on Monday against the Hornets. Uh, and we'll all be feeling a little bit better. But uh, yeah, let's see what happens. But that said, it's a little bit concerning. And the defensive effort and the efforts of the second unit are a little bit concerning and do reflect a touch poorly on Brett Brown. The Sixers weren't didn't look prepared coming into the season. A lot of that has to do with rookies and new faces and guys not playing in the preseason. However, um, that second unit and team defense should at the very least have a little bit more effort and seem a little bit more cohesive at this point. It's early, way too early to press the panic button. But um, again, it hasn't been a, hasn't been the best start. But I also don't think it's as, as much of a disaster as people think. This team is beating the Wizards in the fourth quarter, and we're up on the Celtics in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, it's not that bad. So anyway, we'll be back tomorrow, uh, if I can still talk, to talk about the Eagles-Redskins game tonight. Sixers also play the Hornets. We'll probably touch on that. Uh, for Russ and uh, Adam, is probably hungover somewhere. I'm Kyle. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you tomorrow.